You might have noticed big swings for some well-known stocks in recent weeks. Apple jumped 7% one day, Facebook surged 11%, Amazon fell 5%. You can thank a wave of corporate results for the big moves. After all, it's earnings season, and that means corporate America is revealing their secrets to investors and anyone else paying attention. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback. We're joined again today by frequent guest Jack Howe, whose recent cover story explored the future of corporate earnings and what it means for the market and investors. Hey, Jack. Hello. Every three months, we get extra busy at Barron's covering what we all affectionately know as earnings season. But let's just step back for a second. Why do we even have an, a season for this stuff? <laughs> well, a clump of companies report around the same time. So it gets pretty exciting when you see results roll in. Facebook reported strong financial numbers for its fourth quarter Wednesday. Apple reporting earnings per share of $4.18. Netflix earnings beating estimates by $0.06. Cents. Our top story, Google's parent company Alphabet beating earnings expectations across the board in the fourth quarter. Amazon beating Great estimates question. here for uh, their earnings. You get to figure out two things, how well business has been going for these companies. We think we know, but we're not sure, and we find out if we've been too optimistic or, or not. You also get guidance from these companies about future quarters. And this is the fourth quarter earnings season for 2018. So companies are telling you how well they did in their December quarters and what to expect in 2019. So if you're excited by earnings season, usually this is a special earnings season where you get year-end results and a look ahead for the year to come. So almost the Super Bowl of earnings season and, and hopefully a more exciting one than the game <laughs> that we just had. And each of those things you mentioned can all move stocks big up or down. Yeah. It's very much an expectations game. Wall Street has this army of analysts who forecast companies' results each quarter. So you've got consensus expectations from those analysts about what earnings are supposed to look like. Sometimes you have something called a whisper number where a company has beaten the estimates with such regularity that investors say, we're not buying it anymore. We think the number is going to be even better than what analysts are saying. And then, then the company has to beat not only the consensus, but also the whisper number for its stock to go up. You'll see examples where there's a headline, Netflix profit up 70%. And then you look at the stock if you <laughs> decide you want to, and it's down 15%. So in all of this stuff, even if you knew the numbers in advance without the context, it doesn't really mean anything. I once had a guy tell me, you know, I don't know that much about investing. I'm kind of embarrassed to ask this, but can I ask you a question? He said, what makes stocks go up or down? And I said, you have no idea how profound of a question <laughs> that is. Because it can be a lot of things in terms of news results. It can be earnings. But Often it has to do with the beating or missing of expectations. We already have certain expectations that are embedded in stock prices. And when we find out something new, that can send prices changing in a hurry. Let's look at a couple of examples, right? We had recent results for Amazon. We used to talk about this as a story stock because it wasn't profitable. That's totally done now. Amazon is becoming very quickly an enormously profitable company. So they reported last quarter this very solid operating profit. It was ahead of what analysts had forecast, but it it didn't beat those forecasts by quite as much as Amazon had beaten them the past few quarters. And then it gave a little guidance looking forward, and that wasn't quite as good as investors thought it would be. So even though it was a wonderful quarter on many different levels, the stock went down. By 5%, I think. So something really great might actually be really bad if it's really great, but not quite as great as we thought it was going to be. 
In your cover story in Barron's this week, you actually didn't spend that much time looking at fourth quarter earnings. You doing the job of a good financial journalist. Don't make me blush now. Are actually looking ahead. And you used the R word, which I think might get some (laughs) people kind of scared. You called something a potential earnings recession. So talk to us about that. Only in the sense that I've heard more and more people using that word. I'm not an R word guy quite yet. Okay. But we've seen something a little bit screwy going on with the first quarter estimates, first quarter of 2019. What's happened is those estimates have been falling for the past several months. And that's normal. That kind of happens because analysts look way far out in the future, and they're usually a little too chipper in those forecasts. And as we get closer to reporting time, sometimes the estimates come down. But they've been falling faster than usual. The latest forecast for first quarter growth isn't for growth at all. Hmm. It's for a decline of about 1%. Not good. Not good. It's not the end of the world only because most companies usually beat their earnings estimates come reporting time. They do this dance with analysts where companies and analysts set expectations low enough to be beatable. So there's a little padding built in, some cushion, whatever you want to call it. So I would expect that if this is a normal quarter, that companies will beat by a few percent. They've been beating in the fourth quarter, but by a lower rate than usual. So if you take that negative 1% estimate and you beat it by a few points, maybe you end up with you know 2% growth in the first quarter. But that's still a much sharper deceleration in earnings growth than we expected from last year. We knew for a long time that there was going to be a downshift in growth this year. How could there not be? Last year, we had those big corporate tax cuts. The profit growth rate last year was absolutely rapturous, over 20%. That's not a normal increase, right? Right. And just to be clear... An earnings recession, if we get that, isn't necessarily a recession, right? Not necessarily the same as a recession. Because one is just simply measuring corporate profits. Right. Corporate profits and the overall rate of economic growth are related, but they're not quite the same thing. And we can go through periods where they're a little bit out of sync with each other. So the economy can still be expanding and corporate profits can shrink for a quarter. So it's possible that's where we're headed. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not that concerned about it yet for a few reasons. One is that... First of all, the overall growth rate for 2019 is okay. It's about 6%. Now, maybe that's going to continue to come down as we go through the year. I don't know. But I think it's reasonable to expect that we would end up with a few percentage points of growth this year at least. One of the things that gives me a little bit of comfort when I look at the fourth quarter is there's a big difference between this weighted average of company earnings and what's called the median, the middle result. In other words, the result that tells you what the typical company looks like. Okay. And that's calling for about 4% growth. The reason you're seeing a difference between the weighted number and the median, the weighted number is dominated by a few high-profile companies that are having some slips right now. One stock that's caught investors off guard is Apple. Now, this tech giant is down nearly 40% from its October highs, and the chances are you felt the hit if you're an investor. Believe it or not, Apple currently sits in more than 600 ETFs. Apple is expected to be the biggest drag in fourth-quarter earnings because... They're going through a soft patch for demand right now. They've got those phones out and people aren't people not aren't lining up. IPhones. Well, they're not lining up around the block like they used to. Okay. You know? Okay. And that's actually having an impact on the overall look for corporate earnings. Apple is such a big company that that pulls down the overall market consensus quite a bit. Okay. Now, smartphones aren't going anywhere, and Apple and Samsung still dominate the pricey end of the smartphone market. As long as that's still the case, people who aren't upgrading now will probably be upgrading later. So we expect Apple to return to growth later in 2019 when it has new phones out, right? It's just going to go through the slow patch in the beginning of the year. 
And there are actually a few different companies that are massive companies that are going through similar slowdowns. So I'm not ready to call it an earnings recession yet. I think growth could well pick up later in the year. If earnings are headed down and we are going to see negative earnings growth or even flat or in best case, a couple of percentage points of growth, does that basically mean stocks are kind of doomed for the rest of the year? Not necessarily. Not at all. I think if we do get a negative earnings rate, I, it, so far it looks like it's confined to the first quarter. The estimates so far for the rest of the year are better. So we could easily end up with a year of positive earnings growth, but it might be mid-single earn, or digit earnings growth. It's certainly not going to be anything like the 20% plus that we saw last year. So where does that leave us? Well, you have to start by asking how expensive are stocks today relative to earnings? Always comes back to that. Right. Because valuation is is the biggest predictor of future returns. Am I buying things when they're cheap or when they're expensive? And the answer is, prices look pretty ordinary right now. They're, if they're above average, it's only by a smidgen. Stocks aren't extraordinarily expensive right now. So if I look at what's going to happen, the latest consensus for earnings growth for the full year is 6%. So I go on the assumption that stocks are going to go up in tandem with earnings. And then I add a couple points for dividends. And that gets you an 8% return. Now, if you think that that 6% is too ambitious, if you think that those quarters, you know, the third quarter and the fourth quarter, that those numbers are going to come down, you know, maybe you give that number a haircut. Maybe you end up with a low single-digit earnings growth rate. Still, when you add your dividends, let's say you're, you end up with 4 or 5% for stocks, that might not sound great, but you have to think about the competition. And you actually point that out in your story with a funny phrase, but you say basically the other alternatives stink. Yeah, the other alternatives are lousy. The benchmark is the 10-year treasury rate, right? So if you put your money in a 10-year treasury right now, you get about 2.7% a year. So that's the number that you have to beat handily with stocks if you want to imagine a world where stocks are attractive relative to treasuries. And I don't think it takes too much imagination at all right now to think that you're going to be treasury returns going forward. There are, of course, no guarantees to this. And stocks don't have to follow earnings perfectly. They can go up much more. They can go down a lot. So there's tremendous variability year to year. But that's the framework I think about when I think, you know, is this a year where stocks have a decent shot? So what's the best way to play defense as we start to see earnings slow down a bit, even if they remain positive for the year? I don't think there's any harm right now if you're real cautious at keeping a little extra money in cash. Because we have seen those rates on savings accounts come up. You can get 2% and change now from a regular plain old savings account. But if you're talking about stocks, what I write about in the cover story this week is what's called idiosyncratic growth stocks. I try never to use words it's a that, big word. that long. But what I'm talking about is companies whose growth isn't really tied to the economic cycle. So it's a company that is benefiting from some sort of societal or structural change where that growth could continue even if broader profit growth for companies slows or even if the economy slows. So give us an example of this idiosyncratic growth. So I think you have to be careful right now looking at companies that are traditionally staples because a lot of them have problems. For example, beer used to be something you could count on year in and year out. Demand for beer always grew slowly. But right now, there's a lot of competition in beer from these craft brands. When you go to the supermarket, there's like a million different kinds of beer all of a sudden. That's producing problems for the likes of Anheuser-Busch, which makes Budweiser and so on. I think even though you're, you want to stay clear of beer, you can look at cans. Right now, there's tremendous demand for cans from things like these flavored seltzers that everyone's gone bonkers for. There are spike seltzers. That's an up-and-coming category of drink. There's even 
some winemakers that are dabbling with putting wines out in cans. So all of this has created tremendous demand for a company called Ball. Today, they're a big manufacturer of cans and earnings are growing quickly. That's an example of a staple good that's benefiting from a secular shift that's allowing them to grow faster than the economy. That could be the best bit of advice anyone's ever given on the readback, Jack. Cans. I've got a can-do attitude. Thanks, Jack. Thank you. For Jack's full report on corporate earnings, check out this week's Barron's. Or you can find the story, as always, on Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The show is produced by Meta Lutzhoff. The Readback will return next Wednesday.